Pierre Polyev derangement syndrome has begun. It's Fake News Friday. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is a very special live edition of The Candace Malcolm Show. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to a live edition of Fake News Friday. I'm joined by my producer and True North journalist, Harrison Faulkner. Harrison, how are you doing this Friday? Pretty good, Candice. I'm just getting over a bit of a sickness, so I hope my voice isn't too bad. But um, after watching all the stories come through this week, the anticipation of the show has been building, so I'm looking forward to getting into it. Well, it was really quite the news week, and there's so much going on in the country. This is just a total aside. I, I have a Google Home, and usually in the morning, I'll say, hey, Google, what's the news? And it'll first play me CBC and then CTV. And it's it's just like unbelievable how out of touch the CBC is in the stories that they select, the things that they choose to show me. Like like the top story was some monkey virus is apparently causing like all this fear and consternation. It's like they're drumming up the the the, the fear machine over another mysterious illness that's coming out. Um, and then and then it goes right to more Ukraine, more Russia stuff. Like not nothing involving you know inflation, the rising cost of living, nothing really covering the political turmoil in Alberta that's going on. Uh, nothing on you know the big leadership race in the country it was like I, I couldn't I couldn't believe how out of touch the stories that they chose were with the things that that we talk about here at True North it's really like two two totally different countries we're, we're showing a totally different side of Canada that the CBC doesn't even really recognize or acknowledge it's 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 super interesting and, and that's why uh, it's so much fun uh, doing what we do, Harrison. And I think Fake News Friday is is everybody's favorite show uh, on the Candace Malcolm Show because you know it gives us an opportunity to draw that distinction, talk about what the legacy media is talking about, and just how sort of out of step it is uh, with with the, with the way that we see it, with with our coverage, with our audience. And I, I think I think really the defining news story this week was just that this anti Pierre Polyev sentiment in the media is just out of control. Like it's, it, they're so deranged already. Now this term derangement syndrome, I know it was used against uh, George W. Bush down in the US. It was used as the Harper derangement syndrome. And it, it really just describes a media that is is just so off put and, and, and so filled with hatred about a conservative politician that they can't be objective in any way, shape or form. Like the way that they view it, the lens that they have is just so void of reality. And, and and we'll show you a bunch of examples of that here on the show today. But but really, you know, their hatred of conservatives just clouds their vision so much that, that they can't provide a neutral analysis. Any kind of uh, fact-based analysis, you just can't you can't get that from the mainstream media because because they just hate conservatives so much and and it comes out. So I'm going to start by showing this Globe and Mail article written by Gary Mason. And and look, this is an opinion piece and he's entitled to his opinion. He's a national affairs columnist over there. He's been doing it for a long time. And he, he, he can have opinions about politicians as part of his job, as part of why the Global Mail pays him. Uh, but, but the problem is, you know, even a opinion columnist, and I was an opinion columnist over at the Toronto Sun for almost a decade, you know, your pieces still have to be based in fact. You, you have to be able to articulate uh, your logic and explain why you got to the position you did. You can't just say, you can't just lie. Just because you're an opinion columnist, you can't just put out falsehoods. You know, you still have to back it up. It's still journalism. You still have to back it up with facts and the truth. And I, I think this piece is is pretty egregious and it's just blatant anti-Pierre Poly of hatred. So I'll read a little bit from the article here, Harrison, and I'll get your reaction. So 
So it starts, he starts off by saying the Ottawa MP didn't organize the protest in Peterborough, but his campaign to become Tory leader has legitimized the anger that was on display there. Now, of course, we're talking about this incident that happened last week where Jagmeet Singh, the NDP leader, showed up in Peterborough, and there was like three or four pretty aggressive hecklers. And look, I, I, no one, no one um, condones the treatment of Jagmeet Singh. I think that that. Um, you know, people with that kind of anger towards a politician, it's unjustified, it's unbecoming uh, for us as Canadians. Uh, however, it was a very, very small group of people. Politicians probably face this stuff all the time. Um, it sort of reflects the anger and the rhetoric that we see online, and it's just sort of spilling over into, into in person. Uh, but the media made such hay about this and tried to make it into this, like, you know, this idea that it was, it was really about Jagmeet Singh's race and his, his his ethnicity and it wasn't really about his policies and his politics i look his politics look i think that people are angry at jagmeet singh because he enables justin trudeau and and they don't feel accountability they feel like their country is being taken away they feel like you know we elected justin trudeau as a minority leader and now all of a sudden he's been given the super majority because of the ndp so there's i think legitimate anger and 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 obviously no you shouldn't let that spill out in terms of like harassing someone and yelling at them and and screaming at them. Um, but but there's underlying issues there. And so the media just gloss over all of that, of course, and just turn it into like, oh, Jagmeet Singh, he's the victim. And how dare these Canadians do that? Kind of ignoring all of the anger that was legitimate. Anyway, that, that that's an aside. I'll continue reading from Gary Mason's piece. He says, in many ways, it it's also his anger, talking about Pierre Polyev, and it reflects the contempt he holds for the prime minister. He has given these people reason to believe Mr. Trudeau is one of the most despicable people in the country. So so somehow, you know, the, the, the anger towards Jagmeet Singh and the belief that Justin Trudeau is the most despicable person in the country, it's all Pierre's fault. Like, forget about Justin Trudeau's record over the last seven years in, in office. Forget about all the things he's done. Forget about his horrendous treatment of the unvaccinated and his horrendous treatment of the truckers and his refusal to even acknowledge them as human beings. Um, you know, that nothing, nothing is Justin Trudeau's fault. It's all Pierre Polyev's fault somehow. I mean, this is just, this is just so outrageous. I'll, I'll continue. Um, just to quote Gary Mason here, he says about Pierre, he's done this by running the most dishonest and contemptible political campaigns ever seen in Canada. Every day, he seems to find a new low, accusing the prime minister of sinister things that the so-called freedom convoy, in scare quotes, uh, folks lap up like mindless fools. So, so, so what, what is his evidence here, Harrison, for calling Pierre Polyev the most dishonest and contemptible political campaigns ever seen in Canada, really? Like, that, 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 is, a, <clears throat> that is a shocking accusation. And, it, you know, I, 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 I looked through the piece trying to find facts to justify this and to back this up. It seems to me not fact-based whatsoever, just purely rage, purely, you know, anti-conservative bigotry on full display. I hate Pierre Polyev. I hate him so much. I don't even have to explain why I hate him, but he is so dishonest and so contemptible. And the Globe and Mail just turns around and publishes it up. No big deal. That's, yeah. that's the end of conservatives over there. No, and, and here's the thing, uh, Gary Mason's language here, uh, one of the most dishonest, contemptible political campaigns ever seen in Canada. Well, uh, Gary, I can think of a campaign that was run last year by our prime minister that might fit that bill more accurately than Pierre Polyev's campaign. Um, one that I believe is barely even a quarter complete, Candace, we're, what, we're, we're a few months into this, um, and already it's, it's the most contemptible campaign, apparently. And this is the thing. This is the thing that really gets 
really gets under under my skin about this is that he says one of one of the reasons why Pierre's campaign, Pierre Polyev's campaign, is is apparently one of the most contemptible uh, he's ever seen is because he accused Trudeau of serve of basically running the surveil running a surveillance state and spying on Canadians. Well, it turns out, Candace, that actually the feds did do that during the pandemic. They did track cell phone data. They did figure out when you were going to the pharmacy and when where where you were going and they admitted to it. Um, so again, it, it's by calling out the prime minister for the problems that the country is currently facing and by being one of the only candidates, in my opinion, that articulates the issues Canadians are facing, apparently that, according to the Globe and Mail, is contemptible and dishonest. But when you run a political campaign intentionally trying to wedge Canadians, wedge the unvaccinated out of uh, out of the society and pin the blame of COVID on the unvaccinated, as Justin Trudeau did during the federal election. No, of course, that doesn't get any mention. Um, it's only when candidates who actually articulate the feelings of Canadians and do so in a way that grabs attention. It's only then that it becomes contemptible. Um, it really, it's, it's a classic, it's a classic example of an opinion piece that lacks any grounding in reality, Candace. Well, yeah, I mean, just the like matter of factly saying this is the most dishonest, contemptible political campaigns I've ever seen. Can I mean, you, you raise a great point. What about what Justin Trudeau did to the unvaccinated? Yeah. Uh, he went on TV in Quebec and said these people, we shouldn't tolerate them. They're racist and xenophobic, and they don't believe in science. We have to ask Horrendous. ourselves: Should we tolerate them? Like, what? What do you mean? Should we tolerate them? Like, you, you live in a society with other people that you don't agree with. Yes, you tolerate them. What's the alternative? Like, expelling them or worse? I mean, and 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 you could even go back, Harrison, to the twenty nineteen election, where the liberals just essentially said that Andrew Scheer was a white nationalist without any basis in reality without any facts that was that was their line of attack against him that he was a white nationalist because uh he once went to a park one someday and stood by someone who said something else and then that person three years later did this like that like keep trying to keep up with the logic of of of, of the rationale of the, the arguments from the liberal party um you know that you don't have the global mail shining a light on that they just kind of take his fact and say oh yeah this guy winks and nods at, at white nationalists and and yeah. and we'll see uh in in this show that that now they're pulling out that exact same line of attack again against Pierre Polyev. So, so you know, it's not just Gary Mason over in the Globe and Mail that's doing this. Uh, we saw this interesting piece over at CTV News. So uh, we all saw that uh, Pierre Polyev was on with Jordan Peterson, and uh, they did an interesting uh, hour and a half discussion on Peterson's podcast, which has 5 million subscribers. Well, CTV parsed through that podcast and tried to find, you know, something controversial. Uh, this is the best they could come up with. So the headline says, Polyev faces backlash for comments on Jordan Peterson podcast. I, I just love the way that they describe it. So uh, here's reading from the piece. He says, uh, this is uh, Glenn McGregor writing. He says, some are calling attention to a comment conservative leadership candidate Pierre Polyev made while appearing as a guest on the controversial psychologist Jordan Peterson's podcast. Uh, I, I like I, I love that phrase of of, of uh, speech there. The controversial psychologist. Uh, how about like the incredibly influential and popular? Uh, you know, one of the best selling Canadian authors in in history. Uh, you know, outside of the entertainment sphere, probably the most famous Canadian uh, and the most influential living public intellectual. Uh, but instead, no, they call him controversial because they don't like 
what he has to say, uh, regardless. So, so the controversy is that Pierre supposedly was using a dog whistle. Uh, I think we have a clip of this, so we will play the um, allegedly controversial clip and, and, and that he's supposedly receiving backlash for. Here's that clip. What makes you credible on the hope front, do you think, in terms of your, what you're offering and, and who you are? Because I speak clear, plain language that makes sense to people. So, you know, I'm, I'm a believer in using simple um, Anglo-Saxon words that strike right at the, uh, the meaning uh, that I'm trying to Okay, Harrison. So that that's supposedly the source of all kinds of controversy. Pierre Polyev saying that he speaks in plain language and that he's a believer in using simple Anglo-Saxon words. Anglo-Saxon is a synonymous with Old English, like it's it just means English, basically in in, in the literature sense. Um, but but him him saying those words apparently just caused a huge backlash. So uh, what <laughs> why, don't, why don't you walk us through the rest of the yeah. story, Harrison? Well, I mean, of course, when, when you've got the entire legacy media uh, paying attention to any potential thing that they can misconstrue as whatever you want to call it, a dog whistle, or you want to call it uh, whatever else you want to call it, racism or whatever, um, they're going to find anything they can and try and make it out to be that way. So, of course, when uh, Polyev said this, they immediately jumped on the the, the fact that, oh, this is... This is a word that is used also along with the far right. So in this CTV article, uh, there's a part here where they talk about um, they talk about the Republicans that have used it and how it's uh, it's nativist dog whistling and um, and then of course of course any any uh, hit piece uh, in relation to the Freedom Convoy wouldn't be complete without a connection to. Pat King, Candace, who I know you've talked about on the show before, uh, but of course they tie that into Pierre's comments by somehow saying that using the words Anglo-Saxon while describing clearly the fact that he is talking about using plain English and speaking directly to the people instead of using academic language or whatever kind of language, the way that other politicians speak, um, they, they jump on that and they try and make it seem as though by, by, by Polyev saying he uses Anglo-Saxon plain language, which I think he, as, as we talked about before the show, Candace, was perhaps a way for him to try and appeal to Jordan Peterson um, and, and speak in an academic sense. Um, of course, it, was, it immediately created this storm because everyone's looking for anything they can jump on. So another, just a classic CTV uh, hit piece. This is also from Glenn McGregor, uh, who played quite a uh, played quite a role during the Freedom Convoy, uh, trying to demonize and slander the people attending that protest? If uh, if some of our viewers remember, well, yeah, they went out and they interviewed the you know uh, some uh, a founder of a group called Canadians Against Canadians United Against Hate, uh, who basically comes out and says that uh, for for far right people. 
uh, Anglo-Saxon is is a is a dog whistle, uh, and uh, it really just means a way to set apart white Canadians from racialized society. Like, I, I mean, it's got all the woke nonsense um, built right into this piece. But I, I have I have uh, three three points from this. Uh, the first one is I, I watched the podcast, and I've interviewed Pierre myself, and I. I think that Pierre, during throughout the course of the podcast, he he, he what you just said, he he was trying to sort of impress Dr. Peterson and and show his own intellectual depth. He he went much deeper in terms of like qu- quoting poets and, and talking about philosophy um, than he wouldn't normally ever do. I mean, and, and that's the point, right? It's an hour and a half uh, open open dialogue, and so I think that there were several times throughout the podcast where Pierre did this, where he would sort of try to flex his intellect capacity and and try to like you know be on the same level as Dr. Peterson Dr. Peterson clearly has a very deep intellect and so at that point when he said I use Anglo I, I um, I'm a believer in simple Anglo words to me that was him trying to like show how smart he was by by, by showing his depth of, of knowledge about the English language I, I don't think that it was a nod to racism, right? I don't. I just can't imagine that was going. What was going through Pierre's mind when he said that? Um, the second problem is when journalists try to interpret what was going into someone's mind and saying that it was a racist intent, like like deciding that in Pierre's mind when he said that word that he was trying to signal something racist. And this is a whole problem with the idea of a dog whistle, right? It's like we used to hold people accountable for things that they said. If someone said something racist, you could hold them accountable for the racist thing that they said. Um, the reality is that there isn't a lot of racism in political discourse in Canada. There's actually probably none. And mm-hmm. so journalists have to go ahead and invent a racist discourse. And they do that through the dog whistle. So the dog whistle is supposedly blaming someone or holding someone accountable for something that they did not say, but reading in meaning of what they could have meant by that. And this is just such a disingenuous line of attack. Like anytime I hear the left saying dog whistle, dog whistle, dog whistle, it's like you're basically saying that you don't have anything. You don't have anything. That that the, the the person that you're trying to attack didn't say anything wrong. But if you put on your detective hat and you try to read their mind, um, you can you can draw layers into what they said and what they really meant was this. And it's like you know right. you know in politics you say what you really mean. That that that's what Pierre is talking about. We say what we mean. We don't say you know we don't try to use flowery language to try to confuse the issue. We just, we speak in simple language, plain language. And again, this is, this is the media making things up, inventing stories. Like the whole, every time you hear the term dog whistle, you basically just stop reading the article or turn off the television or turn off the radio. Because basically what the, what the critics are saying is that you didn't say anything bad, but I'm going to interpret it to mean something bad. And it's just Mm -hmm. total nonsense in, in terms of persuasiveness. I think this is one of those, idiotic stories uh harrison that is just going to going to fade away and then i said i said three points the third point is that this is a kind of common sentiment among conservatives is that you know in political language there are a lot of people who try to complicate the issue but if you want to be effective at communicating you try to simplify it and you try to make it resonate to as many people as humanly possible. And and this is something that conservatives teach each other and they learn. Like for me personally, I had more of an academic background. I used to work in think tanks. And then I started writing for the newspaper. And I had to learn to write in a totally different way. Like it's not academic writing anymore. It's writing that is clear, concise, use short words. And and you realize that writing for me, writing for an audience like the Toronto Sun, 
it's, it's an amazing opportunity because you can reach so many people. And when you write an academic coded language, you can really only communicate to other academics and other people don't understand it or they don't care, which is why nobody reads white papers and nobody reads academic papers. Whereas, you know, when you, when you talk about like popular sites where, where a lot of, you know, people read it, it's like you, you want to make it as simple as possible. And so the point that Pierre was making is, is really common sentiment in terms of in terms of writers, conservative writers specifically, and conservative politicians. And Garnet Janis, who's an MP out in Edmonton, he makes this point. He says on Twitter, critics of Pierre Polyev are really reaching here. English derives predominantly of a combination of Anglo-Saxon, in other words, Old English, and Latin words. Anglo-Saxon words tend to be shorter and sh sharper than Latin words. Many writers and speakers know that when considering word choice. And it's absolutely true. Never, We have this rule at True North with writing. Never use a long word when a short word will do. And that's 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 the idea. It's like, don't try to complicate things, right? It, it, instead of saying, we're going to terminate your contract, you say, you're fired, right? It's like, don't, don't complicate it. Don't use long words when you can use short words. Um, uh, Garnett goes on to say, it's hard to believe that people who write for a living wouldn't know this. And yet Glenn McGregor, Alexandra May, who wrote this article for CTV, makes no mention of what Pierre was clearly talking about when he used the term Anglo-Saxon words, right? Like they didn't go to the basic obvious thing that he was talking about. Instead, they tried to complicate it and do this whole dog whistle thing by interpreting in something that he didn't say and he didn't actually mean. This is, this is fake news. This is like... <laughs> absolutely completely nonsense every single part of it is just absurd yeah and one thing as well that i think this is this is perhaps playing into for pierre polyev to go on the jordan peterson podcast to spend an hour and a half ch uh, chatting with him in an open long-form conversation i think a lot of conservatives appreciated that conversation and enjoyed listening to that because it's refreshing now i also think that that is a threat to the legacy media people sidestepping the legacy media and going straight to uh, appealing straight to conservatives in these long form conversations. I think that uh, part of this is to try and discourage other candidates and other conservatives from going on to Jordan Peterson's podcast, from going on to long form podcasts and having a, a, a wide range in conversation because they want to try and they want to try and put the fear into these uh, conservatives that if you say anything in this hour and a half, that could be construed as something that uh, we're going to determine for you as a dog whistle, then it's going to be very difficult for you to try and get out of it. I mean, I think more conservatives should be moving toward these long form conversations and sidestepping the legacy media and, and moving past their kind of soundbite clickbait news. Um, and so I think there's, there's also something to be said about that. You're right. Yeah, I think that part of this is sort of, uh, you know, a warning from journalists, like, this is what we're going to cover. This is what we're going to obsess over. Uh, you know, we're going to make this all about how the conservatives are actually secret white nationalists. And if, yeah. if you go over to the independent media, and I think Jordan Peterson is, is firmly in that category, that, uh, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna do our best to tear you down. And, 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 uh, you know, I, I, I want to transition from here Harrison to say that it, you know it isn't just CTV and and uh, journalists like Glenn McGregor who are doing this nonsense. Unfortunately, it it also comes from within the Conservative Party. So this week we also saw Patrick Brown unleash a campaign against Polyev, basically using the same line of attack but coming from a different angle, saying that Polyev supports a 
conspiracy theorist called Pat King and the supposed white replacement theory. So here's a tweet from Patrick Brown saying that just that. Let me read it. He says, here is Pat King, a leader of the convoy Pierre Polyev supported, spreading the dangerous white supremacist white replacement conspiracy theory, which was reported to have been in the Buffalo Shooters Manifesto. I condemn this hate and call on Pierre to do the same. And then you, you pointed this out to me, Harrison. Maybe maybe you can walk us through what this um what this tweet, uh, if we can just go back to that tweet for a second, what, what, that, uh, what that was. Uh, yeah, so what you're seeing here is a video posted in 2019 by an account called Vests Canada. Now, those three arrows pointing down, that's sort of the symbol of the anti-fascist radical left. And I just went on to that account's uh, Twitter page, and they openly put out, they put in their bio, anti-fascists exposing the yellow vest Canada movement. Um, so what you have here, Candace, which I'm, I, I think it's to use the word contemptible. I think this fits the definition. What you have here is a conservative leadership candidate sharing the, uh, sharing an account that is basically run by radical leftists trying to demonize conservatives, trying to demonize the right and using it to, basically attack Pierre Polyev and, and, and reaching, I will say as well, because what you also have with this line of attack from Patrick Brown, Candace, which I don't understand, he is using the same tactics as Justin Trudeau. Justin Trudeau told Canadians that if you were a part of the, if you were supporting the truckers, then you were also, uh, you were also basically in favor of the one person waving the swastika flag or the one person waving the Confederate flag. And we all rightfully said that that was, that was uh, terribly divisive. But Patrick Brown is now saying that because Pierre Polyev supported the trucker convoy, he is now basically being lumped in with Pat King, someone who even the convoy organizers distanced from because they find his views to be horrible. So what we're seeing here is is fundamentally uh, not conservative at all, Candace. They're uh, using a, ra a radical far left uh, Twitter page to launch attacks on conservatives. Um, and I think conservatives and Canadians should uh, know about this sort of thing and, and frankly be generally upset about it because it's horribly divisive. Well, and that's the reason we included it in Fake News Friday, because it's like when 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 conservatives are the ones that go out and mimic this leftist narrative against like like the left uses this as, as a as a. Uh, a hammer to 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 destroy yeah. conservatives by saying you guys are one step away from white nationalists and it's incredibly damaging to conservatives conservatives need to fight back against this total nonsense when you have someone like patrick brown kind of giving credence to it and giving it legitimacy and saying yes it's true conservatives are aligned with the most despicable human beings on the planet um, you know, guess what? That's going to come back to haunt the party in the future. And of course, it's worth noting, if you just go back to that tweet one more time of Pat King, I mean, he, okay, first of all, Pat King, it, look at the guy. Like, he's he, he's a despicable slob. He is a reprehensible human being. You can see a picture of him here. Uh, Patrick Brown says that he's a leader of the convoy that Pierre Polyev supported. Uh, what? Like from from our reporting and from what I saw, no one wanted anything to do with this lunatic at the Freedom Convoy. He was one of those like clingers on who would show up and everyone would be like, hey, buddy, we don't like you. You can leave now. Uh, nobody wants you here. And he had some role as some regional organizer in the Alberta part of the of the convoy. Uh, probably because people didn't realize how toxic he was and and some of the crazy things that he would say online. And any anyone that's 
peddling this nonsensical white replacement conspiracy theory clearly has no place within the conservative party. I mean, that's not something that conservatives talk about or think about or care about. Um, almost every conservative I know outright hates this theory and and condemns it, including Pierre Polyev. So this idea that, that, that Patrick Brown is pushing is so disingenuous, uh, so dishonest, and again, just echoing the lies of the mainstream media, which give those lies more credibility. And, and then that, that, that's the problem. That's why we included it in Fake News Friday. Of course, it wasn't just uh, Patrick Brown. Um, there were other conservative candidates, including Jean Charest, who's also a leadership contender, who jumped into the fray to try to discredit Polyev over his support um, as well. Uh, yeah, okay, so so this idiot guy, Patrick King, made a video where he discussed Anglo-Saxon replacement. That's a, again, he's not a conservative candidate. He's not running for office. He has nothing to do with the party. So why these conservatives are trying to lump him in and then somehow tie it to a crime that happened, you know, a despicable mass shooting that happened in Buffalo is just beyond me. Like, like anyone trying to draw these this connection um, should be laughed out of a room, but instead it's being embraced by the people leading the party. This is one of the most divisive, um, just terrible tactics imaginable, Harrison, because obviously this is going to come back to haunt the party. Like if you don't think that in the next general election, whoever's leading the party, be it Jean Charest, Patrick Brown, or Pierre Polyev, that the media is not going to take this exact line of attack that they've come up with here and use it against the conservative party and say, oh, you guys are all just Buffalo shooters. Oh, you guys are all just white replacement nationalists. They will. And, 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 and they will do it because of what's gone on this week with these very misguided, in my opinion, conservatives who, again, are just using this as a cheap opportunity to dunk on the front runner Pierre Polyev. It's so damaging for the party. I remember two weeks ago, uh, after the debate that I moderated in Ottawa, uh, you know, everyone was talking about how, oh, you know, this is this is so bad for conservatives because the way that they were duking it out and how confrontational they are, um, that feeds right into the Liberal Party's playbook. They can use these clips for attack ads. It's like, wh wh where are all those voices this week to say to people like Patrick Brown and Jean Charest, like, uh, hey, guys, let's how, how about we draw the line at accusing one another of being racist murderers? How about that? How, how about how about calling each other racist murderers is just a step too far? Yeah, and and this this attack line spurred all of these fake news stories in the legacy media because as we as we said at the beginning of the show, Candace, these journalists are looking for anything they can to jump on as a front runner and to try and use it as a club to bash conservatives with. If if Patrick Brown doesn't know that his attacks against Polyev are being used to attack conservative party members and will be used to attack conservative party members, then I think that's something he has to take up with, with his own campaign. But uh, this wasn't this wasn't the end of of the lines of attack that we saw from uh, Patrick Brown's campaign. Uh, Michelle Rempel Garner, who I believe is Patrick Brown's national campaign chair, I might be wrong about that, but she plays a role in Patrick Brown's campaign. And Candace, I know we talked we talked about this, but she tweeted uh, uh, an email sent to Patrick Brown's campaign, which I, I don't even I, I wonder if we have the email uh, on. In, in the clip, we do. So here, here, here you see this. Michelle Rumpel-Garner screenshotted an email, sent to the campaign, and the email reads, you've sent this to the wrong person. I'm not even going to read it. But basically, it's clearly ridiculous. Anyone who reads this would obviously know this is someone trying to troll the conservatives and troll uh, Pierre Polyev. And Michelle Rumpel-Garner and Patrick Brown took the bait. So they put, she, posted, she posted this out there, and in her tweet, she writes, 
The Patrick Brown campaign issued an email denouncing the racist white replacement conspiracy theory. Below is a screenshot of a response the campaign received. The campaign confirmed this email was sent from an active conservative party member. And there's another tweet too. She writes three tweets. So I think the second tweet uh, from Michelle Rumpelgarner, there it is. She writes, the campaign has forwarded this email to the party's executive director and have asked that this membership be revoked. We expect all campaigns will support this call. And there might be a third there as well. No person who holds these vile beliefs should have a home in the Conservative Party of Canada. Now, Candace, I can't, I can't um, for the life of me, think that this is the only time Patrick Brown's campaign has received a nasty email. And I'm sure that what they do most of the time is just discard them and not try and use it as a object to beat conservatives over the head with, especially if you're trying to lead the Conservative Party. But instead, what they do is they put this out there unsubstantiated without any real uh, evidence of its uh, legitimacy, and then basically put it out there for legacy media journalists uh, to go and attack conservatives with. It, I mean, it's like, yeah, guess what? We, everyone gets like a bunch of spam and crazy yeah. junk. Like, this is why I don't bother reading my comments on most social media sites. It's like, yeah, there's there's a lot of people who will, will write crazy stuff down behind their, you know, keyboards. Uh, literally, someone's sending Patrick Brown an email saying, I believe in Nazism and I support Pierre Polyev. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, give me a break. And, and, then, and then the idea that they're going to take this and put it out on Twitter, which is going to lead to a bunch of stories saying, here you go. Aha, I knew it. Nazis support the conservatives. Nazis support Pierre Polyev. You know, maybe like the four Nazis in Canada do. I, I don't know. I doubt it because conservatives are, are also a very like ethnically diverse, uh, open-minded group of people. And this idea that, that it has anything to do with Nazism is the most absurd thing you can imagine, um, given that the primary thing that Pierre Polyev talks about is freedom and a free society, democracy and the rule of law, which is the exact opposite of fascism and Nazism. That's why the two sides went to war in the Second World War. This was a war was all about the fight between freedom versus fascism. And Canada was on the freedom side. Um, so, so, so anyway, I mean, it's, it's, it's so stupid that it's not even worth really going through and debunking. But I will just say, Harrison, this is a scorched earth approach to leadership. I mean, I can't imagine Michelle Rumpel or Patrick Brown being welcome anywhere near the party. If, if, if they truly believe that Pierre Polyev is out there winking and nodding at neo-Nazis, um, presumably they would, well, at least Michelle Rumpel would resign as MP the moment Pierre wins, because why would she want to be part of a party that does that, led by a person that she believes does that? I, I don't think that she genuinely believes that. Um, but but really, I think that the, this the, this line of attack and this strategy and this pushing of again the worst accusations from the you know the the depths of the far left um, legitimizing the derangement in the media um, with this line of attack does nothing but damage to to all conservatives and you know, these people really need to be called out because I mean this is. This is absurd. So, you know, we already have the CBC story here, Conservative Party investigating their racist email sent to the Brown campaign. Well, good. I, I hope I hope they find whoever sent it. Obviously, if it came from a party member, they can just track down who it was. And my guess is the person will probably say that it was a joke or, you know, if that person truly does hold those beliefs and absolutely they should be kicked out of the party because that's crazy. Uh, but but really, this this whole thing is just a stretch in my mind. No, and, and Patrick Brown's campaign is veering 
I would say, into the territory of, as you say, scorched earth uh, campaigning. It's sort of like kamikaze campaigning because at, at what point can you possibly um, try and unify the party uh, when you go it on when you go on this line of attack, basically trying to accuse the supporters of the front runner of the race of being Nazis and white supremacists? It's there, there's no there's no way you can recover from this, and it's almost it it's kind of what you would want to do if you were intentionally trying to. Uh, tank someone and bring and bring everyone down with you. It's 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 shocking, shocking politics, really. And then Candace, this is the part that really uh, was a bit of a surprise because the day after Patrick Brown sent an email to all Conservative Party members, basically linking Pierre Polyev's support of the truckers to Pat King, and then disgustingly tying it to the Buffalo shooter, trying to play some sort of connection as though there's anything to be had there. The day after he sends that scathing email to conservative party members, he then goes on Twitter and writes, I just want to, I want to make sure I have it right here. Yeah. Patrick Brown tweets, when this race concludes, I want all conservatives and all Canadians to unite behind a hopeful united party that is focused on delivering a bright future for our country. I'm not sure how a U-turn like that can happen so quickly, Candace. Maybe they did some focus groups and polling and decided that actually their approach of basically destroying party unity was 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 not working for them. But, I mean, what, what can you say about this? This is a shocking U-turn, really. Well, it's yasing on the cake of hypocrisy. Like, I can throw every grenade I have at you. Like I said, I can accuse you of the worst possible things imaginable, including being a Nazi and being on board with a racist massacre in another country. Uh, but 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 hey guys, let's just all get along. Can't we all be friends? Like, <laughs> give me a break. Okay, let's move on to another uh, Pierre Polyev derangement syndrome example. Um, this one comes again from CTV, and they posted this headline: Polyev personally holds investment in Bitcoin as he promotes crypto to Canadians. So we're supposed to believe this is a scandal, everybody. It is a scandal that Pierre Polyev who publicly used Bitcoin to purchase a shawarma in London, Ontario. That was how his whole discussion about Bitcoin began. He bought a shawarma using Bitcoin, which uh, anybody who has like the slightest bit of logic or understanding of how money works would, would have to realize that, hey, in order to buy something with something, you have to first own it, <laughs> right? Like, okay, but, but here's the scandal that CTV News has diligently investigated Conservative Party of Canada, Canada, Conservative Party leadership candidate Pierre Polyev has a personal financial interest in crypto cryptocurrency that he promoted during the campaign as a hedge against inflation. So it's all just a ruse so that Pierre Polyev can make a bigger return on his crypto wallet. Um, <laughs> and then they go on and on to make it seem like it's some kind of a scandal that the guy who used Bitcoin to buy shawarma owns Bitcoin. Uh, this is this is uh, just uh, as good as it gets on Fake News Friday. Harrison, what do you think of the story? Well, yeah, talk about reaching, right? I mean, they were clearly running <laughs> out of stories. So they had to come up with something, uh, some way they could try to, uh, I guess, stunt the uh, the momentum of, of Polyev's campaign. And this is this was their attempt to try and criticize his, his line on cryptocurrency. I was thinking about this and I thought that if if talk about crypto and decentralized currencies was not not a central part of the leadership campaign but if it was not part of this conservative leadership campaign in some in some way after what happened during the freedom convoy after watching uh, Canadians uh, have their finances frozen by the government for donating 
to a uh, to a legal protest movement. Um, if it wasn't part of the conversation, then it wouldn't be doing a service to Canadians. People want to have these conversations about decentralized digital currencies. It's part of the new conservative movement. But Pierre Polyev seems to be the only person talking about it. It seems to be the only person uh, really grasping the issue. And this article was was hilarious because they they make the headline, Candace, as you say, as though it's some sort of scandal piece. Here's the big scoop. Polyev is trying to personally enrich himself. But then it goes on to say, actually, that Polyev disclosed his uh, crypto holdings to the ethics commissioner. He asked the ethics commissioner if he was allowed to promote crypto in his leadership campaign. And it was all done by the book. So everything he has done about crypto has been done legally. And he followed the ethics commissioner uh, and the ethics commissioner's guidance on it and actually took the initiative to check with him first. And then, of course, at the end, uh, they have to provide context for the reader to tell you how many MPs actually have disclosed crypto holdings. Uh, eight MPs in the House of Commons publicly disclosed uh, crypto assets, Candace. Five of those eight are liberals. Um, and one of the conservatives they listed, he doesn't even hold it. His wife holds it, yet he publicly disclosed that his wife holds crypto. So this is the farthest thing from a scandal. This is someone who is actually talking about something he knows. I think maybe this, there might be more of a scandal, Candace, if he was promoting crypto without, ho without holding any crypto, right? But in fact, no, of course, there's nothing here. This is classic reaching. Uh, and I think they're just trying their very best to do whatever they can to stunt the momentum of Polyev's leadership campaign. Well, totally reaching, totally grasping for straws. And of course, they quote a far left deranged advocacy group uh, just to say this is the ethics uh, advisory group. They call it Democracy Watch. Um, just to you know, come up with this tweet, it's clearly unethical for MPs or party leadership candidates to advocate for changes that will help businesses they are invested in. Um, the best way to stop this is to prohibit MPs from having investments. I mean, it's just, okay. All right. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. Um, really, they're, they're just throwing everything they possibly can at Pierre in the hopes that something will stick. I don't think any of the stories that we suggested uh, or covered here today uh, will have any impact whatsoever uh, other than the fact that, it, you know, if, if Pierre does win, um, that stuff from Pierre Poly, uh, from Patrick Brown, Michelle Rumpel, and Jean Charest will definitely be used against not just Polyev, not just the whole conservative party. It will be, but every single conservative in, in the country for sure. They will hold that against them. All right, uh, Harrison. Let's just do let's do one more story here because, um, <laughs> well, uh, this is a good one. The Globe and Mail columnist uh, John Doyle writes a piece about the cultural ignorance of conservative candidates is a revealing insult, uh, according to the Globe and Mail's television critics. So remember that cringy debate that happened in Edmonton a few weeks ago, hosted, it was the first official debate by the Conservative Party. And rather than asking these candidates substantive questions about their beliefs, their principles, their vision for Canada, where they stand on policy, uh, we spent a good chunk of the evening just asking them nonsensical questions um, that you would usually perhaps ask someone, I don't know, on a first date um, or at a dinner party or something like that. Uh, one of the one of the questions, it, it seemed like these questions were 
um, designed to try to embarrass the candidates. Like, like, tell us about your cultural interests just so that we can turn around and mock you for them. Like the whole idea when uh, the host asked, uh, what book are you reading? You know, the idea that these guys who are in the middle of a political campaign for their lives and for their careers, uh, you know, they're constantly campaigning, constantly traveling, working on speeches, working on policy, work, like, like burning, burning the uh, oil on both ends, uh, that, that, that they would sit down and, 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 and you know, open up a, a Dickens novel or something. I mean, obviously, they're not reading books right now, right? But I, I think the whole thing was designed to kind of embarrass them. Well, this is John Doyle uh, capitalizing on that by looking down his nose like the snob he is. Um, to say that, oh, th th these people are so ignorant. They're so ignorant. So uh, Harrison, why don't you give us some examples from that article? Right. So, uh, well, John Doyle, who is, I guess, some sort of film critic, uh, role of the Globe and Mail, I'm, I'm guess he's, I guess he's running low on stories, so he's dipping his toes into the conservative race. He talks about, he, he's, he's so disappointed, Candace, that the conservatives didn't list off some of the very famous Canadian shows, um, which he brings up. Cause I'm going to read a couple of this, a couple of these paragraphs cause they're just unbelievable. In the story, he writes that, uh, the list of shows the conservatives mentioned amounts to a telltale revelation. These people seem to be completely ignorant of Canadian made TV. That's renowned award-winning and made in their own backyards. It was like dirty laundry being aired. It was an excursion into the mind boggling. He writes, and then he takes shots at Roman Babber, who made the apparently the extraordinary claim of having binge watched uh, Married with Children, which is uh, a show not really my vintage, uh, but I guess it's a show from the late 80s and 90s. Uh, and then he takes, well, he, he actually just lists off every single candidate and takes issue with what they said. But Candace, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that John Doyle would have liked it if these candidates talked about their love of CBC shows like Anne with an E or Little Mosque on the Prairie. Uh, or in the article, he mentions, why, why can't these conservative candidates watch a show like Flashpoint or something else that's made in their, in their backyard, uh, which, which he says, Orphan Black. Uh, I, mean, I mean, this is so ridiculous that the Globe and Mail would take issue with the shows that the conservatives uh, were unfortunately asked to talk about during the leadership debate. But again, I guess, I guess he just wants us to watch some of these CBC gems. Uh, which, uh, which unfortunately, uh, for John Doyle, I don't think anybody's watching. Well, here's the thing. If anyone had actually listed off any of these obscure shows that nobody watches, nobody watches them because they're probably funded by the government and the government funding stuff is, is not a very good indicator that it's something that Canadians want to watch, right? Uh, you know, if, if they had gone out there and said, oh, my favorite show, everybody is Little Mosque on the Prairie or Kim's going to be, you know, they, they, they would just get accused of pandering. It's like, you know, even even when uh, uh, Pierre Polyev said that, his, you know, his, his favorite um, – song was Alberta bound, uh, you know, it was, it kind of had, had a little bit of, uh, yeah, sure. Pierre, right. But, but, but really, you know, the, 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 the thing that I got this, you know, Roman Babber moved to Canada as a child from Russia. Like so many people who moved to Canada, they, they learned to speak English from watching television shows. I have a friend who learned English like entirely from watching the show friends. That's, that's how she learned English. Roman Babber says he did it from married with children and Don Doyle jumps in to say he's watching misogynistic 
trash from a bygone era, offensive, raunchy, sleazy, featuring appalling figures who insult each other constantly. Like, like, yeah, you know, that's the kind of lowbrow stuff that most people just enjoy. And the whole idea of watching TV is is kind of like a mindless exercise. So no, you don't have to go out there and find the latest... Uh, you know, government-funded, uh, avant-garde, highbrow, uh, you know, piece of theater. It's like, no, it's 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 a show. That that was the whole thing. What are you binge watching? The whole idea of binge watching is like it's like a guilty pleasure. Um, so you know, the the whole the whole concept, which is why I'll go back to my point that I made uh, in the day after the the debate. Um, the the candidates on stage should have just refused to answer these idiotic questions. They should have just said, "Look, look, Tom." Uh, I appreciate what you're trying to do here, but there are important issues facing our country. Why don't we talk about the threats to Canada, the cost of living, the issues that we want to talk about? Let's not spend half the debate pretending that we're all, you know, film critics and that we can. I mean, that would have been that would have been the best line of the debate if someone had yeah. actually said that to Tom, if someone had had basically said out loud what every single person watching that debate was thinking. They would have hit the. They would have had the best line. They would have won the debate by just saying. No, I'm, I refuse to. I refuse to answer this this question, which is clearly tailor made at giving giving our opponents something they can they can make jokes about us over. Such a right, such right. a bizarre article from the Globe and Mail. I got to say, it's like that's the one thing you have to say. I mean, we 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 went through the whole week of attacks on Pierre uh, on Pierre Polyev and and you know little dog whistles that the uh, legacy media are trying to catch and and exploit and. Uh, John Doyle kind of comes in at the end with it, with the shots at, at the content, the shows uh, candidates are watching. It's so, so bizarre. Well, he, he does throw in another uh, dig at Pierre again, trying to, yeah. trying to drum up this dog whistle stuff. Cause apparently Pierre Polyev uh, cited the miniseries Trotsky as the thing he's watching. Well, this is very bad everybody because it's a, it was made by a Russian state controlled network and it's notorious for apparently wildly anti-Semitic imagery so 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 maybe that was another dog whistle to harrison i don't know that's uh that's that's the direction we're going but yeah not surprising that the global mail would pick up on this and use it uh to attack conservatives because they'll attack conservatives for absolutely anything and uh, the whole thing was just not a good idea from the start well harrison thanks so much for walking us through the news i'm sure as this race heats up and as polya becomes uh stronger and, and more prevalent uh th there'll be lots lots more of this derangement that we can uh break through and and break it all down for you so thanks so much for joining us yeah it, it was a pleasure i'm hoping maybe the uh, legacy media can pick a different candidate and we can just kind of have content for uh, for months to come. They can go down the whole list. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, I, I somehow doubt. Well, you, you know, you know what happens is that that when politicians are, are running for the conservatives, you know, the red Tories, the media will treat them really well, and then as soon as they become the candidate, uh, it, it'll turn on them. Um, I, I assume that's what would happen if if Jean Charest or Patrick Brown became a candidate. But certainly, certainly, lots of lots of content uh, as always. So. Appreciate your time, Harrison. And the viewer, thank you so much for tuning in. It's been Fake News Friday. I'm Kenneth Malcolm, and this is The Kenneth Malcolm Show.